Okay, good morning. Good morning. Does toothpaste, mouthwash, dish soap, and the like require hechsher? Avi Wasser, Rabbi, what do you say? Okay. Have a wonderful day. Got it. Zehu. What was that to Everything. Okay. The truth is, we don't have Amari Makamos like we usually do, going through all of the sources from the Shulchan Aruch and Nosei Kalim, Mefarshim, to modern day Poskim. But I did photocopy here a tshuva from Rav Usher Weiss, and he touches on many of the points. I wanted to add just a few things as well. Let's talk about toothpaste and mouthwash. What ingredient is the most problematic, potentially? Glycerin, right? Maze, glycerin. So, oftentimes glycerin comes from organic sources. Sometimes it's chemical. But if it's organic, it may come from animal, or it could be plant-based. But there's, a, there's definitely a valid sad. There's a real concern that it's a byproduct of animal. Is the animal kosher? Does it matter on what species the animal is? If it's a cow versus a pig? It makes no difference, Lechora, because it's not shechted properly. So even if it's a kosher species, it's a novella. And we have a klal in Yeridea, Pe'alef, Hayotze, Minha, Tameh. Tameh, anything that comes from a non-kosher source, remains non-kosher. Anything that comes from a kosher source, no matter what you do with it, or what form it takes, will stay kosher. Right, so theoretically, if you wanted to eat the claws, right, or the, uh, the whatever, the pancreas, of a cow that was shechted properly, or the heart, or even the liver. Some people actually eat liver of animals. <laughs> the brain, the innards, all of that, as long as it comes from a kosher species and it's shechted properly, hayotze men hat tahor is tahor. Problem with glycerin is if there's a real concern, it comes from an animal source, and we know that animal is not kosher. So then that means the glycerin is treif. Okay. How much glycerin do we find in toothpaste or mouthwash? Ever look in the ingredients of a toothpaste tube? When we say byproduct, that means it comes, it's extracted from the meat? Glycerin extracted from the meat in contrast to? Extracted from milk, extracted from, I mean, like, what, what, how would we get glycerin? What does glycerin come from? Is it melted meat? Is it melted meat? So it's not melted meat. <laughs> How exactly we make glycerin, we could probably Google it and get the whole process. I don't know exactly. But it's probably more complicated than just melting meat. <laughs> but it's definitely traced. I mean, there is actually a whole question when it comes to gelatin, right? This could be a different conversation. Why was there an opinion that held gelatin is actually kosher? Gelatin also comes from animals. And the animals are not kosher. They weren't shechted properly, even if it's a cow. 
So what's the Havamina to say gelatin is still kosher? So the argument could be once something, even if it starts off non-kosher, is no longer roy leger, it's no longer fit for human consumption, so then it's not considered food anymore. The whole idea of nifsal achilas kelev, and, and the goal today is not to get involved with all of the nitty-gritty, but I want to go through at least three or four basic guiding principles in kashras, and we'll hopefully arrive at halacha lemaisa regarding toothpaste and mouthwash and dish soap. The idea of nifsal achilas kelev we find by Pesach. And that's a unique din regarding Pesach. But generally speaking, for all kashras, if something is nifsal achilas adam, it's not fit for human consumption. It's not considered treif. So for example, if you leave out the pork chops in the, uh, the Florida heat and humidity in the summer for a couple of days, and then you go check on them in the backyard, and they're green and things are growing out of it, it's really even more organic than it was initially. So then officially, that's not Roy Laguerre. It's not fit for human consumption. If you were to eat that, you would not be in violation of and iser de raisa of, of eating pork chops. Is there an iser de rabbanin? Probably. Probably, right? It sounds like there should be. Probably. If we were the rabbis, we would definitely make an iser de rabbanin on that. So the truth is, that's a machlokus in the achronim. If we have an iser de rabbanin by non-kosher food, that's no longer fit for human consumption. I figured it would be like more of a getter than so some Machrodim say, yes, there is an Isser Durabanan, because it's too close for comfort. Others say there's no intrinsic Isser Durabanan, but rather, if you choose to eat it, then it will be Usser Medirabanan. Now, superficially, that didn't seem to make too much sense, because if you're telling me there's no Isser Durabanan, what does that mean if you choose to eat it? There will be an Isser Durabanan. This is based on the idea we've spoken about in the past regarding medications. This is the famous Russian psachim of achshave. Achshave means even if something is not fit for human consumption, and therefore intrinsically it's not viewed as food, if you choose to eat it, then you're making it into food, and with the Rabbanin, it's going to be usr. Doesn't it depend? For example, if you're on like a show on TV and they give you a deer, and, and they give you a what? A deer to eat it. A deer? They dare you. Like, oh, they dare you. Oh. Because <laughs> a deer really is a hush of a venison. <laughs> you're not really eating it because it's food. You're eating it because you might eat swine or you might eat a slug. <laughs> well, it's a good shayla. There you have a different shayla of Baltashaksu, right? Not so posh. But you're right. Svi is correct. It depends why I'm, I'm putting it in my mouth. So. I'll give you an example, right? The Shulchan Aruch, at the end of Pei Dalid, in Yerodeus, speaks about the case of a sheretz soruf. Sheretz that was burnt. So eating a sheretz itself is an iser deraisa. If it's burnt, it's no longer fit for, for people to eat. So it says for a fua, you're allowed to eat it. We all know of the medicinal benefits of eating burnt shrutzen, Right? But assuming there was some kind of refua there, you'd be allowed to eat it. Well, what's pshat? Why is it only based on refua? 
just tell me that it's not edible, and therefore there's no iser. So clearly you could derive from there that even when it's not asr midiraisa, there is still going to be an iser derbanan, and it's only mutter now because of refua. But based on what we said, there are two ways of understanding that. If you say generally there's an iser derbanan by non-kosher food that's not fit for consumption, but you still can't do it, so then the pshat is, when it comes to refua, lo gazru rabbanan. Right there, chazal were more mekel. If you take the other approach, which is the approach of the Yad Avram, he's medayik, this from the Rambam, Ramosha speaks about this in the Chufa. The other approach, which is, if it's not fit for human consumption, it's not treif min torah and the only time it will be asr midirabanin is if you choose to eat it. So then the pshat is, mishum rufuah, if I'm eating it for medicinal purposes, it's not that chazal were mekel because you're a chola, but rather, there's no iser derabanan because I'm not eating it betoras meichel. I'm not eating it for food. I'm doing it for refua. Right? Interesting uh, two ways of viewing why is it mutter to eat a sherit soruf for refua. The massive nafkamina is when it comes to swallowing pills. Right? If you have a pill and you look at the ingredients, shellfish, shark, crab, right? Pretty much every uh, non-kosher species is somehow ground up into this little tiny capsule. Are you allowed to swallow that? So Lachor, you could argue, well, is there an Isser here of eating non-kosher? Even if you were to chew the pill? No, it's not Roy, it's not Roy for Achila, right? There's no Isser Ah, but there's an Isser so it depends. What is that Issa Durbanan? If you say the whole Issa Durbanan is because you're being machshivit as food, so I'm not being machshivit as food, I'm just taking the pill because I have a headache. Right? That's why when it comes to medication, really, there's no need for a hechsha on a pill. It's not roi lechila, and I'm not, I'm not consuming it as if I'm eating something. Right? In contrast to a vitamin, but Moshe Feinstein held that when it comes to vitamins, if I'm not taking it for medicinal purposes because I'm deficient in something, I'm doing it just as a daily thing to keep myself healthy and vibrant and robust and youthful, right? So then, pshat is, I'm really taking this almost instead of food. I'm just trying to get the, the nutrients and the minerals, which is basically viewed as a substitute for food, in which case vitamins really do need a hachshar. Would it make a difference go back to the Yes, there, it would make a difference. Why? Because the Raman Kufnun Hay in Yeridea says that even when something is mutter min hadin, because it's not roi lechila, and you're a chola, so it's mutter, but if there's a kosher option, even if it's somewhat more expensive, always better to get the kosher option. If it's less No, if it doesn't do the same job, then that Ramah would not apply. What's that? Where the vitamins I'm taking have non-kosher ingredients, right? They're not really roi lechila, but Ramosha held, if I'm taking it just as a daily, you know, chizik, uh, then we view that as achshave. That's basically in place of eating five pounds of spinach and 27 carrots, I'm going to take a pill. So then it should be kosher. If I'm taking a vitamin because my doctor said I'm deficient in vitamin D, Right, so then that's Mishum Rafua, 
and there's no achshave, and officially there'd be no need for a hechsher. Getting back to the glycerin, though, when it comes to some vitamins, even if you're taking in mishum refua, so there's no problem of achshave. Achshave just means if it's not edible the way it is, we don't view it as you're eating it. I'm doing it for a fuah. But some of the vitamin capsules, if they're made from gelatin, right, there are two types of gelatin. Sometimes it's the very hard plastic-like capsule. So that's definitely not roi lachila as it is. So the same reason the, the shrimp and the crab inside the capsule would be okay, that hard plastic, although it's made from pig initially, would also be okay. If it's a soft capsule, right, the kind you could just mush, so those, Rebelski was of the opinion that those are edible. If that's made from gelatin, assuming it's animal gelatin, and we do paskin that gelatin is lemaisa a problem, so it's not, well, I'm doing it for medicinal purposes and therefore there's no achshave. Achshave only plays a role when it's not really edible and now we could say you're making it into food. If it's a soft gel cap, then we view it as edible the way it is. So, so better to avoid the soft gel cap, even if it's for a fuah. All right. So glycerin we find in toothpaste and mouthwash, and oftentimes it comes from animals. So therefore, toothpaste is trave. Okay. So what's the potential reason to say it's not trave? You could argue, well, in, in its present state, it's not roi lachima. It's not fit for human consumption. Oh, so you could say that it's not fit for human consumption. We'll have to see if that's true or not. But you could argue that point. People don't usually eat toothpaste. Maybe in Schwartz. Generally not, right? Right, and that's when you call poison control. No, they really do it. I'm in middle school. Kids are eating toothpaste. I mean, can, can I was you? I was in public. You get hurt from eating toothpaste. Oh. My kids' teeth are right now. So they do make children's toothpaste, by the way. They do have children's toothpaste, but it's still... It doesn't really work. It, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, help, it wouldn't help either way. It wouldn't help the, the situation anyway. Oh. So there's a question like this. Let's assume there's trape inside the toothpaste and the mouthwash. The first question is, is it considered edible? So on one hand, you would argue, well, we don't eat it. So it's not really food. On the other hand, you could say, but if you were to eat it, it's not going to really hurt you. And kids do it, right? So maybe it is considered edible. Maybe yeah, it's really good. Let's say it's pure trade. I'm just putting it in my mouth, pushing my teeth and putting it out. Oh, so, so, so that's another potential heter, right? So one thing we have to discuss, is it considered edible? That's number one. Number two is, even if it's considered edible and it's mamish treif, you could argue, but I'm not eating it. I'm just tasting it and then spitting it out. So, so if, if that's allowed, then I can walk into a trade restaurant, ask them to please taste the pork soup, and then spit it in the garbage. So that happens to be, right, a very interesting question. I did that last week. <laughs> <laughs> right, so in, intuitively, I think we would all say that's probably us, sir. <laughs> if not the rice, at least they're bunning. So there is a machlokis, are you allowed to taste food that's us or to eat? Right, we find on a tinus, on the tinus, you're allowed to taste food. Tasting it means, you know, let's say you're cooking for after the tinus, and, uh, you know, shiva also betamos. And you want to just taste something, 
then it's mutter officially as long as you're not swallowing it. However, when it comes to tasting real iser, that is a massive machlokis in achronim. Right? There's a taz in the beginning of Sadi Ches in Yerodeya that speaks about this. <laughs> it sounds like those who are mekel are only mekel to do so belashon, with your tongue. Not to actually put the non-kosher item inside your mouth. But other achronim, the Ramah and Kofches, argues that even belashon, tasting anything that's intrinsically usur, is usur to do. So, how do you explain a tainus? By a tainus, the food itself is not really usur. So we're somewhat more lenient, right? Some distinction like that. Is so, it like the Rabbanon tainuses? Yeah, the mice on the Yom Kippur, we shouldn't be tasting food, you know? Can you not wash and brush your teeth on a So, good question. Can you use mouthwash and brush your teeth on a tainus? So in the other Tainesim, let's put aside Tishbav and Yom Kippur for a moment. So there the Mishnah says that if you're one of those people that are bothered by not brushing your teeth, right, which nowadays is probably everybody, <clears throat> so then you'd be allowed to do so. And the one thing to be careful with is when you're washing out your mouth is to keep your head down so you don't swallow the water. Right? That's on the other Tainesim. I saw somebody showed me actually in the Sefer Kovetz Halachos, they were quoting from Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky that held once you brush your teeth on a tinus, then there wouldn't be a good heter to rinse your mouth out with water because the whole heter initially is because your mouth is gross. You wake up in the morning and it's feeling uh, icky. So you brush your teeth. But once you brush your teeth, what's the heter to wash out the toothpaste? And Ledaiti HaKlusha, according to my weak and feeble mind, it's hard to hear that, because for the same reason I was able to brush my teeth because my mouth was gross, it's also gross to leave toothpaste in my mouth. Right? So I think the Pashib Shad is to wash out the toothpaste and just to be careful. That's for all of us, and... Right, that's for the other tenets, and besides Tishabov and Yemekipur. We, we passed on that, meaning it's, it's okay to... Yes, yes. Um, for Tishabov, we're more, we're more machmir. And that we find the machlokas between the Mishnah Bura and Ramosha. The Mishnah Bura held even by Tishabov, if it's really, really bothering you, then you could wash out your mouth and brush your teeth. Ramosha held that really you should not do that because putting aside any conversation of what's considered eating or drinking, there's another issue that we have in Tishabov that we don't have in other Tanaisim, namely, Rechitza. You're not allowed to wash. So Moshe held that using mouthwash or brushing your teeth on Tishabov would actually be a violation of Rechitza. So what was Pshat of the Mishnah Bura? Why would he say it's okay? Again, you know, B'Sha'as Erchak Godel. Because Rechitza is only a problem when it's Rechitza Latanug. I'm doing so for pleasure. But if theoretically your hand gets dirty, you're allowed to wash the dirt off your hand. So Lachar the Mishnah Bura would argue, my mouth is dirty. I'm allowed to wash out the dirt from my mouth. The mice, the minaga olam, though, is Tishba, we really try not to, you know, brush teeth or use mouthwash. And Yom Kippur, kol shikain, suffer. Right? <laughs> is any of the discussion that it has to do with having any hana from the iser? So meaning, if you st- even, even according to those that say that you can't even stick your tongue, let's say, into, is that because you're having hana? 
But then let's transfer that back to toothpaste for a minute. Let's say I oh. actually enjoy the mint toothpaste. I love it. It feels good. The right. cool in my mouth. And I like the taste. Um, and we know that toothpaste is certainly a matter of taste. That's why there's 400 different types, right? So right. That's, that's, I don't like this one. I like this one. I have boxes full of unused toothpaste. <sighs> So, so that would be a problem. I mean, the first thing we have to analyze is just to go through the different um, shilas here. One is the glycerin that we find in toothpaste or mouthwash. Lemaisa, if it's treif, do we say that, okay, but this whole entity is not roy for achila? If it's not roy for achila, then the only tzad would be maybe it's still aser midderabanin. But we paskin that the isadderabanin is not intrinsic, it's only aser midderabanin because of achshaveh that I'm, I'm consuming this on some level as food, and that would clearly not be the case when it comes to toothpaste and mouthwash. So step one is if you, if you feel that it's not edible, then it would be mutter min torah and likely even mutter midurbanan because there's no achshaveh. Rabbi, I just on Chaim's thing, yes. I was wondering about flavored um, flosses. But clearly the flavor's only there make the taste good. Like, you don't need that flavor. Uh, toothpaste, okay, you want, but you don't want to be disgusting. Right? That's not disgusting, it's not flavored. It's there because you want a little minty taste. Also flavor chapstick. Nice, Shiloh, good Shiloh. Right. Flavor chapstick also. So chapstick, you could argue, is maybe more similar to toothpaste in the sense where maybe they're just putting a flavor there because otherwise it's kind of gross. Meaning the mint floss is an interesting Shiloh because there it's not trying to take away any disgusting taste. It's just, it's just to enhance it. Right? How many people floss every day, by the way? <laughs> Mid floss? Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, remember that question going... What's that? Well, we, yes, well, we'll get there, but... I remember going to the dentist as a kid, and you know, they would always ask you, do you floss every, every morning and every evening? You know, like, that's the one time you just like, go in knowing you're going to lie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So that's one shaila. Is it achshaveh? The answer is probably no. The second question is maybe it is roila chila, and even though I'm not eating it, but I am tasting it. Okay. So I want to share with you. There's a, a very famous psak of Yaakov Kamenetsky, where we have a concept of tam keiker. Tam keiker means that if there's non-kosher flavor in something that as long as you could taste it, even though you can't see it, it's not a tangible piece of any non-kosher item, but as long as you could taste it in the overall mixture, we say tam ke'ikr, the flavor has a din as if it's here, and the whole thing is asr. And that's where the whole idea of shishim comes into play. If you have 60 times the heter in contrast to the iser, then the assumption is you can't taste it anymore. Right, and that's why the famous case of the drop of milk falls into a big beef stew. You have shishim of the beef stew, can I get the drop of milk, then there's no tam, everything is mutter. So, if you have glycerin, and glycerin does have a taste, it's actually very delicious. Is there shishim in the other ingredients of the toothpaste? connected the glycerin, meaning that would be another potential argument that, yeah, there is treif inside here, and maybe altogether this thing is considered roi lachila, right? Kids eat it, so it's roi lachila maybe, but maybe you have shishim of kosher ingredients connected the, the glycerin. So it happens to probably not be true, bismah hazeh. 
Right? That's not the case. Okay, so if it's not the case, then lechor we would say, tam keiker, if it's edible, and it's not bottled b'shishim, it should be aser. So Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky had a chiddish where he said the only time we paskin tam keiker, where if you taste something in a different food, it's considered as if that, that treif is here, be'en, it's tangible, it's aser. That's only if the taste of the non-kosher is in food, right? So if you have a little bit of the, uh, the pig stew that goes into your chicken soup and it's not batal b'shishim, I could taste it. The whole thing is treif, throw it in the garbage. The whole thing is treif because I could taste the non-kosher in a food item. When it comes to tasting non-kosher in a non-food item, right? The other ingredients of toothpaste. So that gets into the first question, right? Do we consider that edible if people don't eat it, but potentially it could be? So the truth is it's changed over the years. Right? If you look online, there are different articles about the, the history, the origins of toothpaste. It happens to be a fairly new invention. I think it was like 1994, they... Not really, not that new. <laughs> but in the olden days, how would they brush their teeth? Right? There was no such thing as a toothbrush. Right? The whole ending of a toothbrush is, is very new. In the Gemara we find, what's the way to clean your teeth in the times of Shas? Uh, a piece of wood. A piece of wood, right? You have a kissim, you have those uh, cases in the Gemara of taking off a little piece from a barrel and just using it as a toothpick. So the idea of a toothpick goes back at least 1,500 years, could be thousands of years. Flavor? What's that? Flavor? Flavored toothpicks, right? Yeah. Right, it depends on the barrel, you know? Oak. Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, what were we saying? We're talking about ingredients. Right? Ingredients, thank you. So they used to use this, um, it's an abrasive, right? The ichor of toothpaste is basically a substance that is there to get off plaque. Now, what they used to use, I'm forgetting the name offhand, something, carbon, whatever, was definitely not edible. And mamela, they had to add other flavors in there to make it more edible. Nowadays, how, uh, how recently, I'm not sure, it seems like things have evolved in this chuba, which you're not going to get a chance to read inside, but uh, Rav Usher Weiss does speak about, or at least he alludes to this evolution that we find within toothpaste. At the very end of the chuba, we'll jump just for a moment. Forgive me for jumping around today. Very last page. He says, I wrote this chuba many years ago. And more recently, people have uh, shared with me that the ingredients of toothpaste nowadays, things have changed, and it could be percentage-wise, you have more glycerin, and maybe there's more of a reason to say that it is considered edible. Rav Asher Weiss comes out, as do many earlier poskim before Rav Asher Weiss, that it's still going to be mutter based on the reasonings he spoke of 
previously, namely, likely it's not considered roi l'achila and there's no achshavei because I'm not intending to eat it. And even if it is considered roi l'achila, I'm not swallowing it. Um, and potentially you could say the iser is bottle, and even if it's not bottle, you have the concept of Rav Yaakov. He doesn't quote Rav Yaakov by name, but this is a well-known psak that Tam Ke'ikr would not apply to a non-food item. He says, This is not considered achila, it's not even considered tasting. It's not edible. And there's no concern of achshave because I'm not viewing it as food. And those ingredients that have a concern of being aser, they're bottle in rove heter. You don't have shisha, maybe, but you still have rove. Right? Rabbi Yaakov's whole chiddish that we don't say tam ke'ikr when the non, non-kosher flavor is going into a non-edible item, that's assuming you still have at least the majority that's, that's kosher. Once you have the majority of non-kosher and the non-kosher is edible, then obviously that's a problem. Regardless of taste. Right, because there, this is strafe. You can still argue but it's, if, if even the non-kosher thing is totally not edible, that could be a heter. Who decides the taste? Meaning, is it that, first of all, do I have to recognize the taste from elsewhere? So there's so a like special committee. What happens to be, people do know, right? Glycerin does taste good. And that's why it's in everything. Even non-food items. It's very uh, versatile. Okay. Yeah. At the very beginning, you mentioned that glycerin comes from plants. Yes. Know, what the percentage is? plants versus animals or... Oh, so there's a lot of information that theoretically one could try to track down. Right? You could say, well, where does the glycerin come from? Good luck finding that out. Right? But that's one thing to look into. You could also look into you know, how much of the ingredients are there. Usually you could tell that by the listing on the, uh, on the tube. Right? The, the first few ingredients are obviously the rove. Part of this whole discussion is, if we don't really know how much non-kosher there is, can you say, Suffolk the Rabbanan Lakula? We're jumping around here in different topics in Yoridea. But that's fun to do once in a while, right? Meaning that if the whole question is the Rabbanan, assuming that it's not really edible, or even if it is edible, but I'm only tasting it, so could you say, I don't know how much of non kosher stuff is in here? Suffolk the Rabbanan Lakula. Is that a valid argument? Why not? Um, well, because the, 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 the whole opinion of Bata Burai is like, when you know the right, you don't know. So that's true. The whole idea of, of being Mavatil Iser, the robe, is only when you know there's robe heter. But I'm, I'm saying maybe you could use a different, a different avenue. You could say, if indeed this Iser is a Shailavadur button, and we don't know what the percentages are, maybe Suffolk Dura button Lakula. That's not based on Rove. That's a different principle. Oh. If you don't know what percentages. Well, there's no Bittel Rove, but if, if I'm just not sure. I don't know how much, right? But I'm saying, but if you don't say Bittel Bottle Rove, then what's the answer? There's no Bittel Bottle Rove. 
I'm saying, but if, if I'm not sure, does this glycerin come from an animal? Does it come oh, from a plant? From a plant. Oh, I'm not sure. And even if, so, Lamaisa, you could argue, Suffolk, they're going to cool. The reason why that's not a valid taina is because we paskin that for Suffolk, they're Lakula, it has to be a real Suffolk. Now, a real Suffolk can either be in Metsius, in reality, right? This amount of treif spilled into the Choland, and we have no idea how much it was. That's a Suffolk in reality. There's no way to tell. Or there could be a Suffolk plusa, which means we know exactly what happened, but it's a machlokas. We have the rush and the rashpa. That could also be viewed as a Suffolk. But if the only reason why I am a Suffolk is because I'm ignorant, I can't find out the, the Metsiyas, that's called a Suffolk bechisaron yediya. That's based on just a lack of knowledge, in which case that would not have the status of a Suffolk. Right, so you can't pull out the Suffolk Durabunum card in a situation where it's Efshar Levar, it's possible to actually find out how much there is. What does Efshar Levar mean? If you're going to call Colgate, it's very, I mean, maybe they would, but it's oh. possible also you'd never get it. Meaning, is that called still a Suffolk because we did? I mean, <clears throat> right, meaning if you have something like this where there are definitely people in the world who know, but likely I'm not going to get in touch with those people. I'm going to speak to the person in the Philippines. Right, who's reading off something, and if you put enough effort, so it could be sometimes yes, sometimes no, and sometimes the ingredients are, are, are kept secret on purpose, right? So halacha lemaisa, that would still be considered a suffix bechisar and yediyah because it is knowable, and people do have that knowledge. It's not considered a real suffix. So you can't really use that svara, but based on the other svaras, lemaisa, the velt is mekel, there are those who are who are machmir, and tavu alehem bracha. But uh, minhadin, there are definitely many reasons to be mekel, and that seems to be the accepted minhag by toothpaste, by mouthwash. The same thing would apply, kol by dish soap, where you're not even putting it in your mouth, really. Right? There's no need for hechshir on dish soap. Pesach, too, that could be different. Pesach would be the same halacha. So all the kosher, all the Jewish brands of... Uh, for, for dish soap, there's no need. For something like toothpaste or mouthwash, then there is a chumrah regarding Pesach that anything that might have a derivative of chametz, we try not to put it in our mouth. But min hadin, it would not be a problem. So that wouldn't extend to the shampoo or, or soap? <laughs> no, no. Shampoo and soap, there's no need for extra bachah. Uh, no, for Pesach. You don't, have right. to, you, you don't have to get new, new shampoo and soap. I mean, I never did it. And then not unless you bake bread in the shower. But otherwise not. Gentlemen, have a wonderful day.